0: It's over 9,000!
1: To Final Forum, a podcast dedicated to all things Dragon Ball. From manga to anime, toys, games, movies, and bizarre crossovers, the Dragon Ball universe has had a major impact on pop culture. Whether you're a fan of comics and manga, an avid anime viewer, or a gym rat who wants to train like a Saiyan, a deadbeat dad who wants a Namekian to raise your annoying kids, or one of those weird guys who likes to buy statues of the women of Dragon Ball with oversized breasts... There's pretty much something for everyone, I guess, in the Dragon Ball universe. I am your host, an elite member of the Frieza Force, tasked with searching the galaxy for fighters worthy of serving under our benevolent ruler, Lord Frieza. In my native tongue, I have a name, but it is too complicated for those of you with hinged jaws to say, so you can just call me Jelly. I am joined today, and always, by my co-host, a new recruitin' to Lord Frieza's army. Introduce yourself, sir.
0: Hello everyone! I am Bikini, and though I am as yet not used to using the word recruit to describe myself, yes,
1: I am a new member of the Frieza Force, and very excited to be here. Excited to have you! As I mentioned to our listeners, we are about to embark on our journey through the galaxy. Our mission is to scan our scouters in search of individuals with high battle power to join the Frieza Force.
0: And we're also supposed to act as ambassadors and emissaries of Lord Frieza, and represent him with pride and dignity.
1: Exactly right, Recruit, which is why we've been given a secondary mission. Since all scouters can communicate galaxy-wide and transmissions can be sent throughout the cosmos, we're recording what some planets refer to as a podcast and sending it out for your listening pleasure.
0: It's our hope that any warriors out there that we haven't met yet uh, who listen will become familiarized with us and the Frieza force prior to us being formally introduced and make the recruiting process much smoother. I know I joined the Frieza Force excitedly, thinking of all it could do for my planet, my people, and even my family. Uh, with all these mandibles, the dental plan will come in very handy.
1: I, too, enjoy the many benefits being a member of the Frieza Force is bestowed upon me and my family, especially my children, Jam and Marmalade. So that's...
0: we're doing that? Doing what? Theme names? Like how Saiyans are all named after vegetables? That's a thing among your people as well?
1: I'll have you know that Jam and Marmalade are family names.
0: Oh, uh, well... Uh, as an added benefit of this podcast, those of you who already possess Scouters may take some of your leisure time listening to us as we break down various pieces of the Dragon Ball universe.
1: And why the Dragon Ball universe?
0: Well, we've been see- receiving communications of some for some time. Uh, from an as-yet-identified planet featuring the exploits of Dragon Ball. Few people have seen these transmissions, but they have piqued the curiosity of Lord Frieza himself.
1: Excellent recall, Recruit. Although one minor correction, it's an as-yet unidentified planet, but I'll let you slide on that one. So on that note, let's just talk a little bit more about this weird, wacky franchise, and how we each came to it. But before we get into our personal stories, let's just talk about what Dragon Ball is. If you don't know somehow, it's one of the biggest anime and manga franchises out there or manga franchises out there. If you somehow don't know what manga is, it's it's basically just Japanese comics for all intents and purposes. Dragon Ball is a shonen jump manga, which basically just means it's targeted towards high school age and tween boys. It comes out in these issues where Dragon Ball would come out with other stories as well, like how DC once Upon a Time would publish, would publish Batman alongside other detective stories, or Superman used to be in action comics alongside like Shazam. That's really all manga is. Dragon Ball is in Japan was published alongside other comics targeted towards young boys in Weekly Shonen Jump. As for what Dragon Ball then is, it's the story of our hero Goku as he fights his way through a variety of colorful characters often in search of Dragon Balls, which are these magical stones that when you collect all of them, you can then summon the dragon and make a wish. It's been running since 1984 in the manga in Japan. It took a break from 95 to 2015 and then was resurrected in 2015 as Dragon Ball Super. As a show, it ran from 86 to 96, and there's been a host of movies and things until it, too, was resurrected under the Super banner. I guess technically when the anime came back after what I'll say was hiatus, although there were other productions during that time, and we'll talk about that much more later. But when it came back, it was initially under the Dragon Ball Z banner, with the first two newer movies coming out as Dragon Ball Z movies. But when the weekly show came back, also in 2015, it was called Dragon Ball Super. As for a very, very high level of what Dragon Ball is, a little bit further, uh, it was created by Ikira Toriyama, who had at that point actually already created a successful manga by the name of Dr. Slump. And when Dr. Slump came to an end, he started work on Dragon Ball. We're going to do episodes later on and over time about Toriyama and who he is and how he created this stuff. I I think that'll be really interesting to talk about. But I think most people come to this franchise without any of that knowledge about Toriyama. So as much as possible, I guess, I want to mimic that experience, at least to an extent. Suffice to say, we're just not there in talking about Toriyama yet, and we'll get to it later on. So, when Toriyama was trying to come up with ideas, his biggest influence throughout much of his life has been movies and TV, and he's a big fan of Kung Fu movies, which, if you know Dragon Ball at all, that starts to make some sense, and he's also a big fan of Ultraman and Godzilla and Gamera, which that stuff starts to creep into his work as well, at least as Omash's. and the intergalactic pieces come into play and stuff later on, but Really, his biggest inspiration when creating Dragon Ball was a Chinese novel called Journey to the West, which is very popular and very well-known in Asian culture and is often considered one of the four great novels of Chinese literature. I, I think there's a fifth and sometimes a sixth added to that discussion, but basically, there are a selection of novels that have been printed since the dawn of print, essentially, The talk about Chinese history, beliefs, I think one of them is maybe more poetry-based. I honestly, to be completely honest, I'm not 100% sure, and that's really part of what this podcast kind of is. We want to learn about this stuff and the cultural and historical significance of Dragon Ball, not only in what impacts it had moving forward, but from where it drew its inspirations, and we want to learn along with the listeners. So when we maybe do an episode eventually on Journey to the West, we can talk about some of those other novels, at least, you know, briefly. Uh, but what Journey to the West is, very briefly, is a novel that was published in the 16th century, I think, that tells the story of the life of a Buddhist monk who traveled from China to India. This, this monk lived in real life, by the way, and his name was Xuanzang, or Xuanzan. Uh, And he lived from 600 to 664, something like that. In the 620s, around 627, he reportedly had a dream that convinced him to travel to India. He was a Buddhist monk, a Buddhist scholar, and he looked around at Buddhism in China and said to himself, Wow, it's almost like with all these interpretations, some of these are totally different religions. With different interpretations of the same scrolls or different scrolls around which the teachings were based, and nobody having the originals, it was a very fragmented belief system. He didn't—he didn't like this, and he wanted a better understanding of Buddhism. I don't think he had as much—I'll say—kind of arrogance as to think he was going to create the one true Buddhism or anything like that. But he wanted a better and more complete understanding of Buddhist teachings. At that time, however, China was at war with the Turkish people, the the Turks, and international travel from China was forbidden. Xuanzang petitioned the emperor for permission to go on his pilgrimage to India, but he was denied. Feeling the call for this more universal understanding was too great to ignore, he in turn ignored the emperor and struck out on his own. He had to travel across the Gobi Desert, through mountain ranges, across the wilderness, and he often hid, and I'll I'll say kind of lurked, in the shadows, because he was afraid, actually, that the Emperor of China would have him assassinated. And along the way, he obviously had quite an adventure. He encountered people who helped him, people who tried to hurt him, he made it to India, he studied Buddhism in its native land, he returned to China with a greater understanding of the religion, and his teachings helped redefine how China understood buddhism Uh, over the years this fantastic story gets told and retold and told and retold until it gains kind of more of a legendary or mythic sort of feel to it and the story becomes more outlandish and more fictionalized a character gets added to it who is a monkey who has immense strength who could grow at times to immense heights he has a power pole he has the ability to walk on clouds Shuan uh, meets talking animals, demons, spirits, and so that's where Toriyama draws a lot of his inspiration. And it's in no small part because this novel is popular not only in China, but in Japan and as well. It's just popular in East Asian culture in general. Uh, and there's other anime and manga and such that are other interpretations of it. And you get all these adaptations over the centuries until you get to something like Dragon Ball, which takes... Some of these same elements and ideas and it reinvents them entirely until it's really just something that is inspired by but isn't so much an adaptation of Journey to the West and then over time Dragon Ball itself becomes more and more about the fighting and the battles and you bring in aliens and monsters and this intergalactic stuff to it and deities and things like that and it just becomes something unto itself uh, really, all that's just to say it's a very Asian show, and the more you can kind of set aside Western beliefs and culture, the more you can start to grasp what it's doing. I'm not trying to be that's not pretentious, I hope, but it's just to say that, you know, Asian culture is different from Western society. For example, it's just a very spiritual society. And I know we maybe think of Western society as spiritual too. But Japanese culture has these things called yokai, which are basically spirits or goblins or demons or monsters who are these sort of things that can go bump in the night, which are responsible oftentimes for just like everything that happens. Uh, There's like a yokai who's associated with keeping shoes tied and one that's associated with untying them. If you think you've done something and come back and it's undone, a yokai did it. There are yokai in charge of riverbeds and ones in charge of counting beans dropped on the floor. It's similar to sort of a Native American understanding of life where everything has a spirituality to it. And I I think that's just something to keep in mind as we go through this journey and kind of learn about this franchise together. Um, But what brings most people to Dragon Ball at the end of the day is superpowered beings fighting one another. It's an action-packed show. It's about breaking your limits, overcoming your flaws, becoming the best version of yourself. And all that kind of stuff, I think, is is where most people are first introduced to it. Via the fighting and the battles. Because, let's face it, that's exciting. And I don't know if you have a story about your introduction to Dragon Ball Bikini. But I do, before I on further. I'd like to hear yours and how you were first introduced to the franchise.
0: Let's see. I was a a young fellow uh, when I was first introduced to Dragon Ball. Uh, I remember I was really young. I want to say it was probably the early '90s. I used to see uh, like commercials for it. Uh, uh, for it was like a local channel that had it for some reason uh, that was running it for like part of their Saturday morning cartoons. Um, I'd watched like a couple episodes, but it it didn't really stick then i think maybe i was a little too young for their target audience um but then like late 90s early 2000s i was in that that sort of late middle school starting to go through high school age the one the, the tar- target demographic you were talking about um and i started to watch it on uh tsunami like like many many people and it was um uh, my first introduction to like uh anime in general and yeah, like you said, it was it was the fights, it was the art, uh just so many things that like you never saw before in Western animation that immediately just sort of gripped me and, and I went full bore for it and haven't looked back since.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a very common story of coming to this franchise. And and to the point about finding it on local channels I do know that it aired under a different initial dub when it first really became a little more popular in the U.S. under Dragon Ball Z. That was called the Ocean Dub. And then in 99, Funimation started dubbing it and the voice actors we know and love the most in the West today became kind of the core cast. And that's when it became hugely popular on, like, Toonami. And, you know, for me, somewhat similarly, I was around that age, which is... uh. (laughs) A good age on my planet eh, to, to start watching this stuff, but actually I kind of didn't. I was a little more outdoorsy, even though I was kind of into comic books, actually. Um, but when when this first started to gain popularity on Toonami, I was actually kind of one of those people who was a little bit of the belief that since it was a cartoon, it was for kids and, and yeah, I've obviously since seen the error of my ways, ultimately, but I just never paid the show a whole lot of mind, initially. Uh, I had never seen much of it other than commercials, but I was at a friend's house, and it happened to be on very late at night during a Toonami block, and I'm watching it, and I leave the room, and I, I don't know, I went to the bathroom, or something like that, and it was the episode where Goku first becomes Super Saiyan, and I come back into the room A bit later, right? I made myself a sandwich. I went to the bathroom. I did a few things. I came back, and it's probably the next episode at this point. And I just think to myself, wow, this show sucks. It can't even keep the main character's hair the same color from episode to episode. Um, That's my initial reaction to Dragon Ball Z. And honestly, I'm not 100% sure that I knew fully it was Dragon Ball Z that I was watching. Uh, ultimately a few years later when it changed its time slot to air somewhere around like when school let out, as opposed to when only college students and the unemployed are awake and they'd show like three or four episodes every day, they would show the newest one and then a couple that came before it. That's when I actually got into it. So yeah, my initial impression of the show was kind of negative because a lot of the concepts of the show, especially with the main character, you know, changing form, is just not stuff that you'd see in animation before that, or at least I wouldn't. Uh, characters would change costumes, like Ninja Turtles changed their costumes to sell toys and stuff, but they didn't really change physical form, and it was just kind of weird to me.
0: Uh, well, yeah, and and uh, you know, at that time when I when I started watching Dragon Ball. Uh... You know, I, that's when I really started to get into like comics and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of parallels there, um, as far as like the conflicts and things like that. But again, you know, it, it, I, I, pull up an issue of Spider-Man, like he's not, you know, changing his form or if he is, he's, you know, got eight arms now and he's turning into a spider as opposed to, you know, becoming some sort of godlike figure. Right. Um so yeah it was it was just kind of shocking to to kind of like see that like those rules that I had experienced before and in, in other forms of media didn't translate to this like this like all bets were off it like you have no idea what's gonna happen in any given episode,
1: right, right, especially since I believe most people are kind of like me, I mean not completely, but <laughs> i I think most people who came to this show didn't watch the show right from the beginning. And I know I personally started watching the show intently during the Cell Saga, and you could definitely pick it up from there, but the background of things gets lost a little bit. And so I think most people really have no idea what to expect. So that's how each of us came to this franchise. Um, I personally have never read the manga. I don't know about you.
0: I had a few of the, uh, I guess you'd call them trade paperbacks or something like that. Something. that had like, you know, it's like volumes of like multiple issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a few of those when I was younger. I'm not sure where they're at now, but um, no, yeah. I haven't I haven't read like all of them or anything like that.
1: Yeah, here they're called trade paperbacks in Japan. I believe they're called tonkoban.
0: There you go. That's the word I was looking for.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I've never read any of the manga, which is part of what this is. I really want this to be a podcast where... Longtime watchers of the show, newcomers can listen and enjoy and learn something because most of the discussion around the show and I'm not I'm not trying to poo poo on this stuff at all because it, it to an extent it has its merits. And as I've said already and will continue to say, most of how people get into this show is via the fights and the superhero similarities of it all. Uh, But most of the discussion is around the fighting and how epic it is and the animation and how gorgeous it is. And then even that spins off into fantasy booking and fights and things like that. And while that stuff has its merits and it has its place, I started reading about the cultural significance and historical context. And while we can also eventually talk about how is that stuff even intentional? Is it meant to reflect something deeper? Or is it just something that's just steeped? And 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 just kind of snuck its way in because Akira Toriyama is Japanese, and this just kind of filtered into his subconscious. Uh, you just don't hear enough people in general talking about this stuff. It's not to say it's not out there at all, because where do you think we're getting our information from? Uh, but I, I want this show to be for newcomers, longtime viewers. And, you know, we can talk about who Toriyama is and his influences and the significance of these things and their inspirations and make it accessible and entertaining for people. And hopefully along the way, we can lock down some interviews and get some interesting discussions going. I know we're going to read the manga and talk about various comparisons and contrasts to the show. We'll talk about the movies and possibly the games and everything else, but that's a pretty high level look at what Dragon Ball is. We follow our main character, Goku, from being a child to an adult and his journey from being a country bumpkin to being one of the strongest fighters in the universe. And in the very near future, as in the next episode, we're going to talk about Goku himself and who he is. And we'll do that throughout too, though, because he's the main character and he'll always be a point of discussion for us. And so we'll be talking about him and the cast of characters around him and how they kind of change around him because he's the main focal point of the show and he's sort of a fixed point and these people and these characters adapt who they are around him there are definitely other characters who become mainstays but among them a the number one who's kind of a mainstay right right now doesn't even get introduced until several years into the franchise's history um that's Vegeta by the way and b the importance of other mainstay characters like piccolo or gohan or trunks kind of fluctuates as the story dictates such that they drop into the background or foreground as the story requires i mean even bulma who's the other character that's introduced in the first episode and then is in the rest of the entire franchise she drops in and out often so it's goku is our main character and we're going to talk more about him and just keep talking about him as we keep going into this podcast but In an effort to calibrate our tastes and our listener tastes so that you can know right now whether you love us or hate us before we even get started, we're going to pose some questions. We'll each answer them and you can know what we think about the show if you're familiar with it. And if not, you can get a feel for what our opinions, I stress, opinions are. Uh, Yours may differ, but let's circle back to our two mainstay characters in the manga right now. Goku or Vegeta which do you prefer
0: uh if it's if it's strictly just those two I prefer Goku
1: interesting uh was there ever a point where you preferred Vegeta uh
0: I mean they're like so this this is kind of part of why I like Dragon Ball so much is it, it depends on the story arc okay uh there's definitely a lot of points where I, I'm a huge fan of Vegeta, but consistently throughout the whole series, it's it's probably going to be Goku for me.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, I'm a little more Vegeta. He just kind of makes me smile more often. Uh, but in my late teens, I was all about Vegeta. He's kind of the Batman to Goku Superman. And we'll talk about that in some detail, especially Goku and Superman. But that's a pretty good lead into why, as an adult, I've started to lean more towards Goku. Although, I still slightly prefer Vegeta. Goku's just eternally optimistic and happy, and he's always affecting those around him in a positive way. And I just, I really like that. There's so much garbage, and there's so much negativity in the world. Um, and, uh, the universe, uh, yeah, the universe too, um, but there's just so much negativity and cynicism out there, and I fully admit I'm part of that. I mean, Vegeta's my favorite character, and I can't go a day without being cynical and sarcastic about something. Um, but Goku is the character who, like Superman, is all-powerful and all-good. And so the older I get and the more cynical I get, the more I like this character who's just just, just a positive, around all-around good guy.
0: He's a, uh, he's a nice breath of fresh air, I guess you could say.
1: Yes. Okay. So we talked about how this is an anime and a manga, and there are different iterations. So since there are multiple iterations, which do you prefer here? Keeping in mind, listeners, neither of us has experienced the manga yet. Uh, but Bikini, do you prefer Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, or Dragon Ball Super?
0: Uh, you know, it started off, it was definitely Z. Um, but as I get older, I kind of appreciate the, the sort of lower stakes and the the
1: the little bit more focus on comedy of the
0: original dragon Ball
1: that's it's it's funny and it's why I prefer super the best. And I want to say here and now I fully admit and I fully realize that as a as a story and as a just kind of everything sometimes, it's not quite up to snuff with those other two but but. I think it's a great mix of the humor and action and stakes of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. It can be funny or serious, epic, or kind of low stakes. I mean, there's times where the only thing that's online is the pride of one character versus one other character. Uh, But there's also times where the fate of all universes is totally on the line. So you get a good mix of the, the low stakes versus the high stakes and a really good mix, almost perfect... Of story-driven episodes and fun, funny filler episodes. Super has some really good filler,
0: um, but it doesn't have the best filler episode.
1: Ooh, arguable, arguable.
0: You know what? That's that's fair because I'm I'm now realizing probably what episode you're talking about in Super. And yeah, you're right. That could that could be argued for best filler episode.
1: Okay, okay, gun to your head right now. Goku and piccolo getting driver's licenses or baseball oh man that's yeah that's a tough choice i'm gonna
0: go with uh the driver licenses though just because it's 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 such a weird situation like why would they even need driver's licenses they can fly this is completely superfluous it doesn't need to happen
1: why do they need to play baseball
0: well, I mean, that kind of makes sense because they're always competing, like, in the arena. So, I like, playing some kind of a sport amongst them kind of makes sense because it also sort of evens the player playing field for a lot of, like, the background characters, too. Okay, fair. So, fair. In, in a way, that makes, I, to me, that makes a little bit more in-universe sense as opposed to going to get a driver's license.
1: Well, I'm going to have to disagree with you again, which makes us 0 for 3 now, but I have to go baseball, and it's because... It has my favorite joke in maybe all of Dragon Ball, and certainly one of my favorites, if, if not for one other that's also in Super, where uh, Vegeta is wearing a pink shirt in the amusement park, and everyone is cheering for him, and they're chanting like, guy, 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 and he just gets furious and takes off, and Bulma's like, oh, he lasted longer than I thought, but but yeah, I gotta go with the Yamcha joke and baseball, and that's, like I said, It's where I ultimately prefer Super is that it has the best mix of humor and story or serious and the humor just it hits hard for me with a little bit better pacing where it has a little less filler per hour of running time than the other two. Oh, hey, and if there are some people in here who are new to anime and they don't know what filler is, it's basically an episode that just doesn't matter at all. It's an episode put there to pad out some running time or add some humor. And sometimes there's even entire filler arcs. Uh, and that could be a combination of trying to pad episodes to a full season order because, like, whoever is ordering the episodes, I don't know if it's like Cartoon Network or Toonami or uh, Toei. Uh, They might be ordering a 25 episode run and then as the anime is being written and adapted from the manga, they realize that there's only 20 episodes of story and they got to figure out how to get five more episodes in there somewhere. But it can also happen because as happened in the initial run of the anime, sometimes the anime catches up with the manga and they're stuck and they have to sort of spin their wheels until the manga catches up and passes them and that's because especially with dragon ball of what it is which is toriyama's work and he's kind of unwilling to pass that off to others um so let's see do i have any other
0: i i have a question i got a, i got one who's your favorite background character like uh, like outside of goku and vegeta like who would be your who would be your favorite character
1: Okay, so those two are pretty much everyone's favorite right now. So who are my favorite outside of those two? I, th- I think that that has to be variable because right now, my f- right now, my favorite is actually Frieza.
0: Okay, I wasn't expecting that, but that's a
1: good answer. And that's because right now, after the Broly movie and after the Universal Survival Tournament, he becomes more of a character. He's a little bit more of an antihero, although certainly he's still evil. But he's just, like, funnier and way more of a, like, colorful character. So if I had to pick someone, though, who's kind of more friends with Goku and less antagonistic, I'm torn. But I think I'm going to have to go with Krillin.
0: Uh, I, I go with uh, Yamcha. Oh, really? I Yeah, because... Y- 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 I kind of enjoy the fact that he's considered like one of the three strongest humans on earth and he matters absolutely zero to the <laughs> outcome of like everything. But, but the funny part is though, when you, when you think about it, cause like he's got like his own sort of like B plot, like kind of on the sidelines is like, you know, there's, there's world changing battles going on and they're talking about like his floundering baseball career and things like that. Yeah. Um, because when you think about it like being the third strongest man on the planet i bet i bet he could he could easily become like an all-star in in any sport that he wants make all kinds of money and like his only focus is trying to keep up with these near godlike figures and it's just kind of funny to me
1: okay yamcha yamcha's cool uh, we'll have to read the Yamcha one shot. Uh, there's a one shot that I'm not sure if it's a manga or a Western comic, but it's called "That Time I Got Reincarnated as Yamcha." It's about the main character realizing he's in Yamcha's body at various times in the Dragon Ball Z saga.
0: So all of the so basically at the starting at the point in the story where Yamcha becomes completely useless.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, and as as we might as well get this out of the way also, uh, you've probably noticed us saying this already. I say Goku, not Son Goku. I say Saiyan, not Saiyan. Piccolo, not Pikaru. I say Krillin, not Kududin. As do I. And I say that fully understanding that some of these are, I'll say spurious translations. They might even be translated somewhat differently if translated today. Like, I know Psyogen would be translated as Cyan if it was done today, but I just go with the official English language translations. Continuing to calibrate your tastes. Dub or sub, which do you prefer? Uh,
0: That's a tough question. And it mostly has to do with what... I'm doing like if I have just something playing in the background, I'll do dub just because then I don't have to actually watch it and read. But if I'm sitting and I'm like focusing on the show, usually I do the sub because you get better context for things. And I think you get a little bit closer to the original intent with like the original voice actors and stuff.
1: That's fair. I'm going to be a bit of a maybe have people never listening to us again and just say dub. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yes, I I totally agree that the original dialogue gets you a uh, better context, better understanding of what's happening. Um, but f- there's a couple things. One is, even though at times this can be a dialogue heavy show, it's not a mouth, movement heavy show very often right like true you see things from weird angles backs of characters heads far away shots wide shots things like that where you're not so much seeing how their lips move Two, i grew up watching like old simpsons and things where their characters mouths didn't always perfectly match (laughs) what they were saying true um because it was just a different style of creating the the cartoons back then than it was these days where they where they make sure that they're kind of matching the lip movements better
0: they'll, they'll even like reanimate stuff to match it to the to whatever language they're dubbing sometimes
1: right so so it doesn't bother me when i see the lips being out of sync um and and yeah it's you know Dragon Ball for me is a comfort food thing a lot of times, and it's easy to for me easier for me to just kick back, relax, and watch the dub. and also because and this will be sort of our la- you know our, our one other piece is do you prefer the original Japanese score that you can hear when you watch the subtitles and um, even in some of the newer dubs than ones that have been done like by Funimation and things. Or do you prefer the Bruce Falconer soundtracks?
0: So I I
1: like them both, but
0: I think for Dragon Ball, like specifically the Dragon Ball portion, um, I prefer the original because it's a little bit more fun and whimsical, I guess you'd say. And it kind of matches, I think, the tone of the show just a little bit
1: better. I'm a Falconer guy all the way. Again, I can I can feel our subscribers dropping to zero, but um, <laughs> no, it's I um, mean you know you know it is one of those things I've I've come around a lot more on the original score over the years, and there's times where there's times where I don't like the Falconer score really even at all, but when it comes to the big emotional moments and the big cathartic moments of the show
0: oh yeah he does those really well
1: those i think are so good with the falconer scores It, it they really they blow me away um and i i uh i work out with a mix of music from the show and they're almost all falconer score selections
0: yeah i okay i can understand that
1: um, the perfect cell theme, the 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 Majin Buu theme. I'm not sure if that one's Falconer. Um, the Super Saiyan three transformation, that is a lights. <laughs> that is that is one of the best pieces of music in TV. It
0: it does, yeah. Like you said, it, he's very good at capturing moments and trying to convey
1: and I think the emotion his
0: Ve- in that moment. I think his
1: Vegeta overall score, like like every kind of the differences of his I think whenever he's scoring Vegeta, it's like so good. Um yeah, there's times where it's a little it's a little is it a little nineties kind of like it's a it's a little like um It yeah it does. It sounds a little dated in some spots. Yeah sure. it's a little uh it's a little it's a little trying to put pouches on every co- comic character to make them seem cooler You know, like it's the it's the musical equivalent of that. Uh, But, yeah, I prefer it. So. Slightly slight edge. And then you could stop listening to us now (laughs) forever, I
0: guess. (laughs) That's the price we pay for integrity.
1: Uh, Anyway, let's calibrate our tastes a little bit more in general. DCEU or MCU?
0: MCU, hands down yeah i mean it's <laughs> is that is that even really a
1: <laughs> but i'll say in favor of the dceu is that i do like the variety but like look at joker or birds of prey those are both R, and they're even at two different ends of that R spectrum and then on top of that there's wonder woman which is more pg-13 family friendly kind of stuff and then even justice league is still pg-13 and it's on the other end of that spectrum
0: I, I mean, to me, it comes down to consistency versus highs and lows. Like, in general, the MCU is way more consistent. But for me, the DCEU has much higher highs, but it's also got much lower lows. <laughs> I mean, for every for every Wonder Woman, Shazam, and Joker that you have, there's Wonder Woman 84. There's, you know, uh, Justice League. There's
1: There's Suicide Squad, you know? Yeah, and that's... Yeah yeah, there's nothing wrong about the approach. It's just the outcome of how they turned out.
0: And 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 in general, I also think that um me personally, I I kind of like the DC superheroes better. Like I enjoy stories about Sp- or, uh, Superman, Batman, uh Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman. Those are all stories that I absolutely want to see. Um but I just feel like they're not quite
1: there yet. They they got a little bit more work to do there. Yeah, I think that's a kind of decent, I mean, I wish I could have more general fiction questions like, um oh, okay, here's one. Stephen King or J.K. J. Rowling, as an author, as an author only, not as, a, not as a person, who would you rather read? Uh Stephen King, hands down, but I mean, I loved
0: Harry Potter when that came out. I, re- I devoured those books as well.
1: Yeah, I suppose I could have made it a little less contentious and done like uh King or Tolkien. Ooh, I think I'm still going to go with King, mostly because,
0: and as much as I like Tolkien, um, it's dense. Yeah, it's like yep. It, it, it takes a little bit to get through it.
1: My answer to both of those, by the way, is King, hands down, he's my favorite author. And I think that's that's OK. Like I said, I would have liked to have some more general questions, but I think we've done an OK job.
0: I think we've probably given them a firm idea of, like, where where we sit.
1: Yeah, that's where I sit, that's where he sits, and we sit in this spaceship together. Well, I think that about wraps it up for a quick look into what Dragon Ball is, why we're here, and what people can expect going forward. Do you have anything to add, Recruit? Uh, just that this armor really chafes the thighs.
0: Do we have any calc?
1: On that note, we'll take our leave. Until next time, thank you for joining us. Will you be able to push beyond your limits and defeat your rivals? Find out next time and help us achieve our final forum. Form is written and produced by Tom Guelli. It is performed by Dan Kinney and Tom Guelli. Our webmaster is Dan Kinney. Our theme music is provided by YouTube content creator, GVG Kit. Want to learn more about the Dragon Ball universe, including concept art, behind-the-scenes interviews, and recommendations from Jelly and Bikini? Connect with us on social media, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Final Forum Pod. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review, Wherever you receive your podcasts. And of course, make sure to share with your friends and family and help us spread the word of the glory of Lord Frieza. The Frieza Force thanks you for your listenership.